is going on, everybody? What's up, folks? We are back. Episode 125 of the Dark Windows podcast. Oh, my gosh. So this week, with the holidays coming up, and we're actually kind of right smack dab in the middle of the end of a holiday. Yep. Because uh, when this comes out, there will, I believe, be two days left in Hanukkah. So we wanted to talk about some badass fucking Jews on this episode. And uh, I found them. I sure did. Did you? I did. This week, we are going to talk about the Bielski brothers and their partisan group that they'd created during World War II. The Kowalski brothers! Not quite. I put them away! Oh, sorry. What the fuck are you even talking about, dude? (laughs) Kowalski brothers? Sounds like a fucking construction company. No, for fucking goddamn uh, uh, Ghostbusters. Oh. He's like, you can burn in hell! And then all of a sudden, fucking, (laughs) it's the Kowalski brothers! Oh, I I thought they were just like some Polacks doing fucking uh, drywall or something. (sighs) So for the sake of not confusing everybody, I kind of wanted to start with this. The Bielskis were a huge family. Uh, David and his wife, Biela, had a dozen kids between 1902 and 1927. So 12 kids over the course of 25 years. That's a lot of fucking kids. 12 kids? 12 kids over the course of 25 years. Wow. That's yeah. pretty good. They had a dozen kids. What year? Uh, between 1902 and 1927. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, a shitload of kids. Yeah. Um, they lived in a two-room farmhouse with one small bedroom for mom and dad. Well, the kids kind of slept wherever they could in the main living area, in the kitchen. A lot of the time, like during the during the winter, they would sleep right around the stove because the stove in the house was not only the only source of cooking, but it was the only source of heat as well. So they well, would, that's that's how a lot of places back in the day. Right. So they, they would kind of like sleep like right on the hearth or right around the hearth and kind of, you know, stay yep. nice and warm. Yep. And during the summer. The kids would often sleep outside the barn because it was a great way to cool down. You got a little bit of room to spread out. So you're not right on top of each other. But the core of the family that we're going to focus on are four of the boys. Tuvia, who was born in 1906. Aziel, who was born in 1908. Alex, what they call him Zeus. Uh, was his nickname basically just like a shortened a shortened version of his name uh-huh. was born in 1912 and Aron was born in 1927 the boys grew up working on a farm uh, in the town of Stankowitz which is a small town near uh, Novgorod uh, which is in modern day Belarus when they were kids it was still part of Poland unfortunately Poland is one of these countries where since the 1800s their borders have changed more frequently than you know you find a fucking spirit halloween somewhere in october yeah, Poland, you know locations yeah. are just like oh we were here la- last year but this time we're gonna be right over here well a lot of to be fair a lot of uh europe like that area yeah poland seems to have gotten it way worse than anybody else though for some reason because uh, I mean, they're right in the middle of everything they're right between germany and russia they're kind of like true they get fucking slapped around a little bit but true 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 this town that they grew up in, Stankowitz, they were one of six families in town. So a super small town wow. with about 200 people in it, which made the Bielskis about 7% of the population total of town. Hold on. Six families. Yep. 200 people. Whole lot of big families. 
Wow. Yeah. No, I can't. Yeah. No. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. But a more impressive number is they made up 100% of the Jewish demographic of town. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So being the only Jews in town, they dealt with a lot of anti uh, like anti-Semitism and people just being generally shitty to them just because they could because they're Jews. So we'll just be shitbags to them like everybody throughout fucking history has been. Yes, yes. For a very long fucking right. time. A lot of people don't really look into the history that much and they just go, oh, yeah, so the Nazis didn't like Jews. Fucking nobody did. Like going back to... Mm, I don't know, fucking Egypt? Nobody really gave too much of a fuck about the Jews? The Romans, actually, there was a, de- uh, what they call it, disa- disasp- diaspora. Yeah. Which was the, um, where the Jews actually moved from, well, where they were, which was, they called it Canaan, which is now Israel. Right. And that area, they actually, the diaspora, they made a move, and so now, you know, at that by this time, they had already set up roots and everything else in Europe, and you know, were in these countries that later were like, "Yeah, you're a Jew. We don't like you." Yeah, unfortunately, you know. But they had been there for centuries, right? Exactly. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh wait, you're uh, you've got a different invisible guy in this." Wait, hold, wait. I know I don't understand exactly how Judaism works, but I don't like you for the simple fact that you is one. Yes. Yeah. Pretty I mean, fucking the, gross. The Romans, their idea was, wasn't because, well, it was partially because they believed in one God. Right. But it was And then all, all of a sudden, after they kill, like, the King Jew, they're like, you know, maybe this one God thing, not a terrible idea. Save yeah. us a bunch of time. We just roll all our shit together into one. And, uh, bam, done. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was also um, because they also thought that, was, uh, that, the, that, the, that the Jews were actually hoarding money. Oh, because of course they, they because were. Because they were the bankers. Because bankers. Yeah. They, uh, they, they knew how to handle that shit. Well, I mean... <laughs> Duh. Yeah. <laughs> when you make up the bankers. Yeah. They do hoard the money. <laughs> now, how, as a Roman, how do you explain that where you're just like, yeah, we're going to kill this guy. And then like a couple, I don't know, oh, a couple hundred years later, you're like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have done that. But he seemed like a cool guy now that I look back at it. So we're going to pretend we didn't kill him. We're going to blame the Jews well, for killing one of their own. Well. Let's yeah, not, let's, that's let's, what we do. We'll fucking blame them. Yeah, but let's not let's not lay the blame totally on the Romans. Yeah, because you know, the Jews were like, "Yeah, we're sick of his shit." Of so, Jesus? Yeah, I don't know, man. He I was he was speaking like I wasn't there. Yeah, but he was speaking heresy. He was he was going against what what their belief system was, and he was like, he was trying to change it. Fair, kind of like this guy. You know, a few hundred years later, named Martin Luther did, where he came up. He then he know, got shit nailed to his door. No, he nailed the uh, shit to whatever. his door, and Same was difference. like, "Hey, shit got nailed to a door." 
Yes. <laughs> the shit that got nailed to the door was what he thought Catholicism should be, which was, you don't get to tell me if I if I can and cannot get married. I'm going to get married. And that's how the Lutheran faith came around. Fuck thee, I won't do what thou tell me. Yeah, you can't tell me I can <laughs> cannot get married, or you can, you know, or what I should you know, do. I mean, yeah, I'm following God and who's his te- in Jesus's teachings and doing this and that, but you know, fuck you. Who the hell are you? This, this is why Christianity confuses me because there's so many different aspects, yeah. and they all fucking hate each other, but they all have the same core belief. Yeah, that's why Eastern Orthodox broke off from. Western Orthodox, the Holy Roman versus the Eastern Eastern Orthodox. Yeah, it's the Holy Roman was. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? After a certain point, our Pope's you're ha- you're having too much sex <laughs> as a as a priest. Yeah, you stop. You cannot do that anymore. You cannot be married. Okay, but yeah. Eastern Orthodox is like maybe we should just let these motherfuckers get married. Cause, yeah, uh, Eastern Orthodox is like hey. Keep it going. Yeah. You know. I can spew out a couple more priests. Who cares? Fuck it. <coughs> we could just do a whole episode on Christianity and how fucking confusing it really is. A lot of – a lot of, but it's not the only one that's confusing. Oh, no. God, no. Absolutely not. Because the whole power of three is confusing because they all believe in one thing that's the same thing, but then they say it's not. Right. So, our, anyway. Our, our invisible man in the sky, although the same, is much better than yours. Wait a minute, though. How? Because have you seen these these really cool curved swords we have? I want to show you these. Anyway. Come here. All right. Anyway. Get your fucking Aladdin shoes out of here. (laughs) So growing up, their dad always kind of had a like a mantra that he would kind of put into the boys' heads. Be good to good people. Be mean to mean people. Good way to live your life, I think. Yeah. So the boys didn't necessarily go out looking for fights, uh-huh. but if one came up, they didn't back down from it, and I wouldn't have wanted to fight these dudes, because these motherfuckers were built like tool sheds, except for uh, Aaron, who was uh, 14 at the time of the main part of this, so he was just a boy, but like Tuvia, uh, Azel, and Zeus were big motherfuckers. They were like big, tall, stocky. They were goddamn farmers. They were, uh-huh. pe- they were peasant stock. Like, they were big dudes. So I did find a story um, that Zeus would tell later in life about a run-in with, like, a real shitbag neighbor that they had. So this dude, every year, would start um, mowing his fields a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier, just to try to get out in front of them and, you know, get going on it. So every year, he's he's mowing a couple more inches of their property and moving his property markers. He's still in their fucking land, like a little bit at a time. <laughs> Sneaky bastard, motherfucker! Like, what a piece of shit move. But like, believe at me, the same time, fucking, <laughs> you. I mean, believe me, I know a thing or two about having shitty neighbors, and that's shitty neighbors. <laughs> so they they kind of caught on to it after a little bit. So uh, Tuvia, Zeus, and uh, Azel. Uh, they went out to mow their fields and obviously they're using hand tools because it's the fucking 19 teens at this yes, point. Yes. So they're out there with their sides and shit. And the neighbor comes out and starts yelling and swearing at him, you know, yelling, you're trespassing on my land. And he starts th- hurling all these names that are not super friendly towards Jewish people. Yeah. 
so Tuvia, who was 15 at the time, said, uh, so this, this is what, how Zeus said that what Tuvia told, you know, how everything went. So, quote, he thought if he screamed at me, I would be scared. In his hand, he held a scythe and shouted, I will kill you. And I started to laugh, which made him, I started to laugh, which made him more furious. And when he came closer, I reached for my scythe and with it, I hit his. He lost his balance and landed on his back. When he was on the ground, I began to hit him with my hands. Four local farmhands came to look. They stood there amused by the man's misfortune and laughed loudly. That day, I gave him such a beating, we did not see him for two weeks. I was only a teenager, but I was big and strong and not afraid of the non-Jews. <laughs> so this, this fucking teenager beats a grown-ass man so badly that he wouldn't leave his house for 14 days. I'm assuming from a mix of, you know, I just got the shit kicked out of me and I'm sore and shame that I just got the shit kicked out of me by a teenager. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe let's not fuck with these guys. But, you know, you know, people people got to fuck with them because if they didn't get fucked with, we wouldn't be talking about them. Yeah. So during World War One, Tuvia would serve in the Imperial German Army as an interpreter. Um. So he had already he was already fluent in Yiddish because that's what the family used, uh-huh. which I didn't realize that Yiddish is actually um, like an offshoot of German. I didn't understand what it actually was until I went and listened to it. Very very similar languages. Uh, I mean they're different enough to be different, but you can definitely hear the similarities. They both uh, they both sound angry no matter what you're saying because German just. German and Japanese to me are angry languages. Kind of like Russian, like you could probably have a regular conversation, but it sounds like you want to kill me just because yeah. it's not French where French is or like, Italian, you well, know? F- yeah. French just sounds like you're, you know, you could swear in French and it just sounds like it's all flowery and fruity yeah. and shit. Yeah. It sounds just sexy. German is abrasive. <laughs> it's the fucking 80 grit sandpaper of languages. <laughs> so while he was in the army, Obviously, as an interpreter, he learned how to speak German so he could communicate between his other soldiers and anybody that may have spoken Polish or Yiddish that they would come across. Yeah. So that comes in handy later in the story, you know, German and whatnot. So in 1927, he would join the Polish army and become a corporal in the 30th Infantry Division, uh, Infantry Battalion. Sorry. So after leaving the army, he would return to the family farm in an effort to try to help mom and dad kind of make ends meet. Um, he was from a a family of millers. So if anybody doesn't know what a miller is, these are people that they, you know, grow hay and wheat and stuff like that, smash it all up in a mill and make flour for bread and shit. Yep. So his main effort was he rented out a second mill to try to bring more in. So this still wasn't a huge help. So at the age of 23 in 1929, he married a woman named Rifka, who owned a general store in the nearby town of Sabotniki. I'm going to butcher these names. Not Polish. Don't speak it. Sorry. Ten years later, in 1939, the Red Army would roll into the area and it would become the whole area that they were in would become uh, Belarusia, which would go on later to become Belarus, obviously. Makes sense, right? Yep. So the Soviet occupation wouldn't be a whole bunch better for the local Jews than the Nazi occupation was. Um, 
but at least the Soviets mostly disliked them for being capitalistic and liking to make money. And, you know, I'm making yeah. my money. I'm going to keep my money because I'm making my money. Yeah. You know, I'm not making our money. No, no. Because communism is a fucking terrible idea. It's, it's not a terrible. <laughs> it really fucking. God damn. It's a terrible execution. All right. We got to move on. Okay. <laughs> And like their dislike was was less about them being Jewish, like yeah. where kind of where we were going there. Yeah, they would they would definitely deny the Jews from certain work, certain schools, um, opening businesses, traveling certain places, stuff like that. And then Stalin just kind of was like, you know what? I don't like the Jews either. So he deems them undesirable. Which <laughs> I can't imagine how an entire group of people like in a religion have to feel when people are like you're fucking gross we don't need you around anymore yeah it's like that's just okay that's open season on us now but sweet but that's just a trend throughout i mean they get a reprieve yep and then all of a sudden boom it's back again oh hey back again yeah which is like that's pretty fucking gross but it, here, here's here's the shit part okay is this the country that they went to, which is now Israel, had a group of people there. Those group of people were not were just the same as the Jews. They were not liked, right? By people of their own faith, did not like them, right? We're like, you know what? You're fucking pieces of shit. We don't really like you. And but they're like. We didn't really do anything to you. We don't care. Yeah. So, but then all of a sudden the Jews come in and get told, hey, you could have your homeland back. And they're like, the fuck they can. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, but we're living here. Yeah. We don't care. Y'all moved out like a couple thousand years ago. And all of a sudden you watch your house back. You know, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just sad. The whole situation where you can't, you know, you two are. Probably those two groups are probably the most, you know, were the most disliked. Right. In history. And you still can't get, you know, you can't be like, hey, you know what? We should, we should stop the hatred and we should just get along. We can't do that though. Because our fucking God figures insist that we kill each other because we're different from each other. (sighs) Ah. See, there's no fixing it. Yeah, this is a fucking you could try somewhat comedy podcast. We are not here to fix the world's problems, my <laughs> friend. We're here to just fucking talk about them. Um, so after after being deemed undesirable, the Russians would kind of just fucking roll through and take whatever they wanted, and but they wouldn't again wouldn't necessarily kill the Jews for being Jews. They would kill them if they resisted having their shit taken from them. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the Russians would actually take Tuvia and Rifka's business, and Tuvia, kind of seeing which way the worms turn in here, takes off, like into hiding. He's like, because uh, he's he's being at this point in time he's being tracked by a Soviet agency, which I'm not even going to try to fucking pronounce the name of it. It's ba- they were basically the Soviet IRS, which makes them the worst thing that has ever existed. Yeah. So and they were after him due to his quote bourgeois capitalist occupation oh. yeah because he owned a business where he made money yes not we made money so what a piece of shit 
So he urged his wife, like, hey, come to me. Uh, come with me. I'm going to Lita, which was another nearby town. I'm going to get away from this. And she refused. Like, nope, I'm going to stay here. Whatever. I'll deal with it. Because she wasn't Jewish. She didn't really give a shit. She was fine. Wow. Right. Interesting. So well in Lita, he would meet another woman named Sonia, who he would begin an affair with before he was technically officially divorced from his first wife. Unfortunately, this relationship didn't last a whole long time. Uh, Sonia was actually killed trying to take shelter in a home uh, with some others during a Soviet attack. Uh. So she got she got killed by the Russians. Third time's a charm, though, because he would meet and marry a woman named Leela Titkin, who at the time was 17, and he was 24-ish at this point. They had known each other before. Doesn't make it any less weird that you're in your mid-20s and you married a teenager. Whatever. But, (laughs) but, they would be married for the rest of Tuvia's life. So, they were married for another... 45-ish years after this. so It's only seven years. Yeah, but still, she's a teenager. Listen, mister. What? Don't talk. What's yep. the difference between you and your wife? Seven years. Oh. But, but we did not get married when she was a fucking teenager. Who cares? Different time. Doesn't matter. Still kind of weird to me. Anyway. Well, you're weird. So, June 22nd, 1941. Um, this is the beginning of what is... What, the beginning of what would become known as Operation Barbarossa. Also known as Operation History's Second Biggest Mistake Trying to Attack the Fucking Russians in the Winter Because Hitler's a Retard too, just like Napoleon was. Yeah. So, again, we're going to invade Russia because fucking we can do it, definitely. Yeah. And we'll just bring spring clothes. We'll be out of there before Christmas. Fuck yeah. it. Um, so, sadly for millions of people in Poland and Belarusia, uh, Belarusia, Fucking Belarus. I don't give a fuck. Whatever it is. Uh, they were between the Nazis and the Soviets. Uh-huh. A good number of these people that were like kind of caught in the middle were Jews. And you got to kind of you got to feel bad for them. I mean, you've got one side where they're kind of completely indifferent to you. They really don't give a fuck what happens to you. And you've got the other side where they're actively hunting you like yeah. fucking animals. So, rock in a really, really, really hard place here. And you really don't have anywhere to go. You can't go north. You can't go south. You got to fucking stand your ground or die, essentially. And that's why a lot of them tried to come here. Right. And, you know, it's just... So, when the Nazis made it to Novgorod and Lida, which were the two bigger towns in the area, they would start setting up ghettos and begin the, quote, selection process. Yeah. Um, You know what this is. Yes. Um, anybody who's not super familiar with it, um, they would round up all the Jews and they would make them line up. And as they got to the front of the line, they would segregate them to the right or to the left. It started off small. Just what let you know. Right. It it started off like, uh, like it was only like certain things, you know, were, if if you were uh, like a, in it, right. If you, so if you had, um, a because if you had useful money, skill, yeah, if you had useful skill, money, uh, stuff like that, you didn't you didn't get touched, right? So like if you were a doctor or a tradesman of some sort, they were gonna keep you. Mm-hmm. If you were like a farmer or a shopkeeper, 
Done. So basically, you were if you were told to go to the right, you would be segregated into the walled off part of the city. If you were told to go to the left, you were taken into a field and killed in mass. Um, this part is really fucking sad. So just as a heads up to anybody, uh, there were stories from people that lived in uh, Novgorod that were that were not Jews. That just the people that lived in town before the Nazis separated off a huge part of the city um, as a fucking prison camp for the Jews. Um, They were telling stories where they were watching these people being forced out into a field and into a pit. And the Germans, once they got everybody in there, opened fire, filled the pit over. Um, The most disturbing part of, of some of these stories is that the people that would watch this happen for days after this would see the ground moving because not everybody that got pushed into the pits got shot and killed. Some of them were completely missed, but they were just covered over with dead bodies. So they're trying to struggle their way back up to the top. And you could like, it would look like the land was breathing as these people are trying to get out, which fuck. Sad. Yeah, for sure. Um, Fuck. Okay. Um, at one point in time, there were almost 6,000 Jews in the Novgorod ghetto, and uh, the SS were ordered to liquidate them. Like fucking lumber. Yeah, get rid of it. We don't need it. We've got it. We've got overstock. Um, this would result in the deaths of 5,800 people over the course of a few days. Um, and then the ghetto would be refilled. Hey, we got room. We'll bring more in. The second roundup of Jews in the local area would result in mom and dad Bielski and two of their sons being swept up and deposited into the ghetto. Um, again, this is a huge family. Like like we said with the 12 kids, very good chance that not all of the kids were living there at the same time because some of them would have been in their mid-20s by the time the youngest ones were born. Yeah. So these are probably a couple of the younger kids mm-hmm. that got pushed in here. Um so when the Nazis came for them, David order, uh, ordered Aron, who was the youngest of the family, to run and hide in the woods. Because at this point in time, Tuvia, Zeus, and Azel had all kind of linked up together in the woods. Because we're kind of thinking, we're going we're gonna to get together, we're going to get as many of us as we can, and we're going to get the hell out of here. We're going to get as many of our family together, and we're going to run. Um... But they told him, go into the woods. Your brothers will find you. They won't let anything happen to you. The The three older boys, they weren't necessarily by themselves because they had kind of linked up with a few other people that had taken off into the woods. Yeah. And, you know, you have strength in numbers, obviously. So they start to build their little partisan group, which is essentially, um, <laughs> it's essentially like the fucking rebel alliance. You know, we got these these very few people that are very poorly armed to defend themselves against the Empire. Yeah. So so they end up they do end up finding Aron. And when they found him, they fled to the nearby Zabdo Zabdavo and Peralza Forest. And once they got to this forest, the group would start to build and at this point in time, they have around 30 family members and friends with them. 
Tuvia, due to being his oldest of the brothers and having his military training, would naturally kind of become the leader of the group. He would assign Zeus um, to go out and collect intel because he was kind of sneaky, you know, like he could blend in a little bit better than everybody else. Um, and Azel would actually become like the saboteur of the group. So everybody had their little role to play. Um, and he would actually also become second in command to Tuvia. So Tuvia made it his mission and the group that we can't save just ourselves. We're going to get as many Jews as we can, and we're going to protect them. We're going to, th this is our goal. And a direct quote from him, it's more important to save one Jewish life than it is to kill 20 Germans. So this dude's got his, he's got his shit together. He's got his yep. head on straight. Um, I want to take a quick break here and then okay. we'll come back and finish this story up. Okay. So we are back. So like we were saying, they basically made it their life's mission to help rescue as many of these other Jews as they could from these ghettos and prison camps, essentially. Yeah. So they mostly focused kind of in the area of Lida and uh, Novgorod. Again, because those are the closest areas where they are. Um, but thankfully, after the first purge in the ghetto of Novgorod, the people who survived that almost immediately started working on digging out a tunnel under the walls. They were using spoons, forks, their bare hands, anything they could get their, their, their hands on. They were using it to dig fucking tunnels. They, they, they would eventually end up digging a 600 foot long that led under the walls and kind of out of the city and uh, like off into basically not going to say freedom, but you're outside of the city. Yeah. Um, the, the will to live that these people had is fucking incredible. You yeah, because I mean, any other put yourself in that situation. You literally just watched fifth, like five thousand eight hundred of your people get killed, and you're like, "Nope, not me, motherfucker. I'm getting the fuck out of here." Instead of just like turning over like you could have, and been like, there's a lot of eh. people that didn't know. What do you mean? That didn't do that, they right? And and the rest of them that right. didn't get out. Well, I think they actually ended up closing that ghetto and did a forced march. Yeah, they sure fucking did. And uh, I think they all did, ended up in Belznick or uh or, or Birkenau, one or of the two. Birkenau, somewhere like that. Cuz most most of the bigger death camps were in Poland. Yeah. Um, cuz I mean it's as sad as it is, it was convenient because that's kind of where you're spending most of your fighting when you're going into Russia. True. You know. So we'll just build them here and fucking send them back. Ugh, bunch of pieces of shit. Uh, I mean, not everybody had could end up in Auschwitz. Yeah, only the fucking all stars could do it in Auschwitz. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so the Bielskis themselves would often use this tunnel to go into the ghetto. So they're sneaking the fuck in to try to organize, like secretly, like hey. Fucking grab your buddies, get your kids, come with us. We're getting you the fuck out of here. We're getting out. We're gone. So one such uh, one such mission was into the Iwi ghetto in late 1942, which saved the lives of over 100 Jews just hours before the Germans were planning to liquidate the ghetto. 
So these fucking dudes were like, okay, we got to move quick. Yeah. Regulators. Mount up. <laughs> and they got these guys out, which is fantastic. They would also send out small search parties um, into the night, like kind of looking for anybody who may have escaped on their own. And if they had, they would say, hey, you know, I, I don't know if they had like some secret like Jewish password or something, you know, or if they had like a card. Like, hey, Jew card. Jew card? Yeah, come with me. <laughs> They've got a secret knock. It Sounds like, like... It was like a... Knock, knock. Knock, 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 knock. Knock, 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 knock. Knock, 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 knock. Hey! Oh, that's too much. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not uh, not yeah. the secretest of knocks. Um, sounds, sounds like too much of a knock. Or did, like, they have, like, two people come out of the woods and they bring a chair? If the person sat down on it, they're like, lift him. And they're like, yep, I know where this is going. Sweet. Come with us. Who's getting married? Nobody. We're just making sure you're one of us. <laughs> it's only the women, though, that could do that. Doesn't matter, man. If you're familiar with the act itself. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, they just brought out a, pu- a bunch of fucking glasses and paper bags and threw them on the ground. They ran over and stomped on it like, cool, sweet, let's go. <laughs> so these, these small search parties would be lightly armed thanks to the work of Tuvia and generally um, Azel, who was the other, like the sabot- like the, uh, the, um, the guy that would go out and collect all the, collect intelligence and stuff. So they're stealing German rifles and pistols and shit and bringing them back. And like kind of every time they'd go out, they'd go out of their way to try to find more and bring them back. So, smart fucking move. Um, so, thankfully, over the previous months and years, they had kind of been doing this. And they're, again, gathering their weapons. They're gathering uh, ammo. So, anytime they kind of ran into Germans while they were out on these little expeditions, they didn't hesitate. And they fucking handled them. You know, so you'd have a couple of guys like Patriot style fucking just blasting crowds from the trees and then they just take off yeah so fucking good on them so there's a reason again there's a reason that authoritarian groups when they first take over the first thing they do is take guns away from civilians because that's how you stop a revolution from happening but when the civilians don't have firearms and they come steal yours not a whole bunch you can fucking do about it so the brothers under the supervision of tuvia would train the other members of this group how to use the guns that they'd gotten their hands on. Um, They taught them the fundamentals of safe operation, uh, efficient operation, and they did all of this without firing a single round. So because ammunition was so hard to come by, you don't want to waste anything you've got. And with being a mobile group hiding in the woods, they didn't want to draw any unwanted attention to themselves. Um, This was to the point that they didn't do anything during the day. Anything including like cooking. They only ate at night because they could cook at night and you wouldn't notice the smoke as as much. Yeah. Um, So with all the work that the group has done up to this point to get as many people as possible as they as they can. And they're, they're actually, they're not just taking in Jews that they're finding from um, the ghettos and stuff like that. They're also, they're kind of taking in 
um, people that are part of Soviet partisan groups that are also Jewish that are leaving these Soviet groups because people are finding out that they're Jewish and treating them like shit. So they're taking these guys in too. By the end of 1942, the Bielski partisan group had swelled to 300 people. Wow. So they got some numbers going now. Yeah. So with the number of people uh, growing and with everything starting to get really cold, they've got to find a way to keep warm and keep people hidden. So they start building these large wooden uh, wooden uh, Russian-style buildings called Zemulenkas, which are – it's basically a house, but you dig into the ground, uh-huh. and the roof is very, very slightly pitched, almost level with the ground, and then they would cover the roof with moss and grass and shit. So if you got somebody driving by, it'll look like a little hill. Or yeah. um, surveillance planes flying over, you're not even going to fucking see them. Yeah. So – they they kind of kind of like a hobbit hole, you know. That's 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 where my brain went. It was like, oh, they're making hobbit holes. I get it. So not only would this keep them hidden, like we just said, it's actually where I went to, right? <laughs> yeah. God. Why shouldn't man. I keep it? <laughs> <laughs> so not only was this keeping them hidden, it was also keeping the heat in because the ground, believe it or not, insulates shit real well. Yeah. You don't lose a lot of heat through the fucking no. ground. No. Definitely not. So as the numbers, uh, numbers, as the months keep going on, the numbers begin to climb again. They would reach 800 people in this group. Wow. So they're not all there kind of at the same time. They're coming and going. So yeah. Now, Cause I mean, 800 that, right. in one spot. It's, it's quite a bit. That's a fucking like, uh, that's a couple battalions, I believe if I'm not mistaken, but I don't really remember numbers wise. It's a lot of motherfuckers. I know that. But they're kind of almost like underground railroading people. Like, you come here, settle in for a few days, get your shit together, and then if you want to go, we'll help you get there. If you want to stay, fucking join the fight. So they would, move, they would move constantly just to stay ahead of the Germans. But in the summer of 1943, the Nazis finally found their main base camp. I couldn't find any number for how many people uh, were killed in the attack. But the, the Jews kind of boogied off to uh, Malambeki Forest, um, where they would kind of try to settle in again. And then they would suffer another attack in August of 1943. Uh, the, because the Germans had started a very, very aggressive anti-insurgency campaign. Yep. It wasn't just Jews. It was anybody that didn't do exactly what they were told or join and help them. Yeah. The, yeah. Cause... Think the, uh, the Dutch. <clears throat> yeah. Where they're like... Fuck yeah. y'all. Shove off, you yeah. know. Yeah, we might I'm gonna share. Keep my, I'm going to keep my windmills and my wooden shoes, and you can go fuck yourself. We might we might be part of the Deutschland, but, you know, still, you can go piss up a rope. Hashtag not my fear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or the French, you know, they're like, yeah, uh, monsieur, fuck yourself. So as much shit as we give the French... The French partisans during World War II were fucking badass. Yeah. I mean, like they they, they were, were like... there were some motherfuckers in the in the, in the French partisan groups. Mm-hmm. So after the second attack, they would kind of move deeper into the forest and set up another camp, which would become known as Jerusalem. This would be a much more impressive camp. Uh, it had everything, including a full kitchen, a school, a gunsmith, and a mill. 
They had a blacksmith there as well, but blacksmith wasn't as really useful as having, say, a gunsmith, someone who can build and repair firearms for you. Uh-huh. Because keep in mind, as the Germans are coming in, coming in to attack them, they're fucking killing Germans. Yeah. And then eventually the Germans break off the attack or they escape and they come back and get fucking guns. So they just keep taking guns off dead Germans. So they've got some shit to do here. So as they were still technically in Soviet territory, they were still being really careful not to, it's going to sound weird, not to be outwardly Jewish. So they're not doing anything in public that would make people think, oh, there's a group of of Jewish people living in the woods. Uh So what they kind of did is they they also had a, a small tannery at the, the camp. Um, and they would use the tannery uh, as a secret synagogue so they could still kind of practice their religion and not draw any attention from locals. Because as they found out, the reason that the Germans found them in the first place was because a couple people got a little too chummy with the locals. And then when the Germans came knocking, they're like, oh, oh, you mean like all the Jewish people? Yeah, they're that way. They're out in the woods. Don't kill me, please. So they got ratted out the first time. So now they're kind of trying to be a little bit more secretive about it because we don't want our people getting killed. Yeah. They're going to, they fucking have done a number on us already. So let's, you know. So with Jerusalem being nice and kind of isolated, this would allow Azel to kind of separate people off into small groups and teach them how to use his craft so he's getting more specific into um kind of kind of like primitive like small unit tactics like five six man groups guerrilla warfare right and he's teaching these motherfuckers how to build like wolverines yeah but he's also teaching (laughs) them how to build fucking ieds nice so some of these explosives that they were they would build would be strong enough to destroy a german tank Going uh-huh. down the road. Yep. They destroyed a set of railroad tracks just before a German supply train came through. Um, they were, he was leading fucking armed, like, nighttime raids and attacks into military outposts. This dude became the fucking Jewish boogeyman to the Germans in the area. Like, him and his boys were just, like, going in, fucking smoking krauts, and we're taking their guns and we're going to take as much of this shit as we can, and we're going to take it all back home. So they kind of continued doing this for quite a while. Um, and on June 22nd, 1944, the Soviets mounted a counter-assault against the Germans in eastern Belarusia. Within a six-week period, they've completely forced the Germans out of Belarusia uh, and back through most of Poland. At the time of the liberation, the area the Bielski partisans were in was 1,230 people strong. That's how many people they've saved at this point. More than 70% of them, women, children, and the elderly. The only real guesstimate that historians can come up with is that during the German attack, uh, and due to possible sickness and other underlying health groups, uh, health problems, over the entirety that this group existed, they lost maybe 50 people. That's that's a that's not bad. 
That's really fantastic. good. Yeah. Fantastic. That's, that's, yeah, that's actually awesome. So just, just to put that into perspective, how many people today are alive because these guys saved a grandparent? Fucking thousands, hundreds of thousands, possibly. So that's, that's fucking absolutely fucking impressive. Yeah, that is. So after everything is said and done, um, Azel was actually drafted into the Soviet army because someone, someone, one of the guys that was passing through had kind of seen what he was doing. And he was like, Oh shit, this dude's good. Fucking get him a coat. Make sure he's standing next to somebody else. So that when they die, he can take their gun. Cause that's how the Soviet army worked. Um, sadly, he would die fighting in Eastern Prussia in 1945. Uh. So he died doing what he did, what he loved doing, killing fucking Nazis. So good on you. Way to go. Uh, Tuvia and Zeus would actually emigrate to Palestine with their families and would fight again because why the fuck not? But this time they fought in the Arab-Israeli war that resulted in the formation of the nation of Israel. Yep. Um, after that, Tuvia, Zeus, and Aron would all kind of get together and say, hey, let's let's start fresh. Um, they would emigrate to, to the United States, and they would settle in New York City. That's, um, that's uh, pretty much the, the, yeah. the Jewish capital of the United States. Yeah. I mean, I, wouldn't, I don't know about that, but there's a lot of Jewish folks in New York City. Yeah. An ass load of them, I'd say. Um, well, I mean, the Northeast has a, a that's lot true. of a strong Jewish community. That's true. But, I mean, if you think about it, at that time, where, where the fuck were people coming to when they came to the United States? New York City. You're, you're coming to the East Ellis Coast Island. first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, fuck it, this place seems good enough. We'll just stay here. That's why we got all the fucking Irish and Italians up here, too. Yep. So Aron would actually set up and run a very successful taxi company. At this point in time, as of recording, Aron is still with us at the ripe old age of 93 years old. Um. Of course, he was also the youngest of the kids as it was. Zeus would start up a trucking and delivery company, and the commander, Tuvia, would be a driver for his younger brother. Zeus passed away in 1995 at the age of 83, and Tuvia passed away in 1987 at the age of 81. Aww. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> think about all this shit they did with their lives, you know? <sighs> the stories. Right. And... You guys literally fought against the worst thing that has ever existed and kicked its ass to the point that it came directly after you. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, the worst thing that has existed, well, to that point. Right. And then, you know, to now. Well, yeah. yeah. You know. Because, I mean, yeah, the fucking Mongols were bad, but who would you rather deal with? Genghis Khan or Hitler? I would say Hitler. Yeah, but he was a huge piece of shit. That's that's my thing. Is like Genghis Khan was a motherfucker. But the Mongols didn't separate people to kill based off of their beliefs. He just killed they them. They killed every. They were equal opportunity murderers. They didn't give a fuck. That's true. That's true. Anti-racist group. We don't give a fuck what color you are. We don't give a fuck what's. Let language you speak. All right. If you're between us and where we want to go and our horses, we're going to kill you. Then we're going to drink horse blood and milk. That, 
because that's what we do. Okay. Yeah. And we also sewed our clothes together out of the pelts of mice. So, fuck you. Um, <laughs> All right. You know what? Fine. Yeah. I believe it. Adolf Hitler's possibly, like, top three worst people that's ever existed. Um, yeah. And the thing that's weird is to think that Tuvia served in the same army at the same fucking time as Adolf Hitler did during World War One. They weren't, like, in the same unit, but they fought for the same country. That's fucking crazy. Well... They were both in the Imperial German Army yeah. fighting against. I can't even fuck it because people in during World War One changed sides so many fucking times. I can't well, no, keep track uh, of it. But Adolf was uh, Austrian, but he was still fighting for the Imperial German Army. True. Yes. Yes. Um. So I mean, these these guys are absolute heroes. Everything they did puts them in that category for me. Um. They put their own lives on the line time after time to try to help others. They literally broke into prison camps to get people out. I I can't begin to express how much respect I have for these guys. So in 2008, the movie Defiance was released, which was based off of this entire story that we just went through. Um, we had Daniel Craig, who played Tuvia. Liev Schreiber, who I, I fucking love, um, was Zeus. And Jamie, uh, Jamie Bell played Aziel. Um, and I, I, I was mistaken before. I think what happened is they, they switched the ages of Tuvia and Zeus for this. Because in the movie, if I remember correctly, Zeus was older than Tuvia, which was not the case. But again, it's a movie based on the truth. Yeah. Which is probably fucking crazier than anything they could have put in the movie. Um, but yeah. So with, with that's, uh, that's what I got. Um, nice. I, I loved doing the research for this episode because again, it's world war two and that's kind of like my thing. I love world war two. It sucks that it happened, but you know, good guys won. Fuck them Germans. Especially you. Yeah. Son Fuck of a bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh, so what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, had you, had you heard about these guys beforehand? Yeah. Obviously, you had. Yes. But, um... Yeah, and I actually had heard of... I actually saw the whole, like, beyond, uh... The whole Defiant thing with, uh... With, um... The... With the ghetto and everything else. Because there was actually, like... There's a lot more to it. Right. But, I mean, like... When they said... With the whole... When you said the whole, um... Weapons thing... Mm Mm-hmm. Like that's where it kind of like started was with them was the, that that ghetto was they had weapons and their Germans were like you know, give us your weapons whatever and they're like nine oh no, no 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 just give them over just give them over you know nothing will happen to us nothing happened to us everything will be fine and that's what you know everybody a lot of people are say you know that's what happens when you hand over your weapons yep is. To when someone says, you know, oh, no, no, no. I'm from the fine. government and I'm here to help. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's sad. You know, so many people died, but so many people lived because of these right. guys. Exactly. Of these brothers that, you know, that fought the good fight. Yep. And 
and then moved on and you know had fa- a family mm-hmm. and you know their family can be proud of them fucking right I mean, absolutely the entire world should be proud of these guys yeah, definitely you know uh abs- absolutely amazing what they did and they didn't ha- the thing that kills me is what they did was so incredible and they didn't have to do it they could have just fucked right off and taken off and not, and never turned back. They didn't exactly. have to do what they did. Exactly. Which makes them good people. Yep. And they didn't have to take in as many people as they no, needed. No, they didn't. You know? They, they could have just they could have grabbed their younger brother and fucking fled. Yep. But they didn't because no. they're like, you know what? Let's kill some fucking Germans. Exactly. Exactly. They fucked our family over. Why not? Yeah. So we're going to fuck their entire country. Exactly. And their stupid fucking plans. In all their faces. Yeah. Fuckers. And then we're gonna, they're gonna then we're gonna move to the United States and be fucking successful. Yep. What a bunch of pieces of shit these guys are, right? <laughs> Ugh. Successful people that fucking built themselves up from the ground. Bunch of fucking losers. Anyway, so why don't you talk about some stuff? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's a good episode. I guess I I liked so, it. A good episode. Good. Uh, happy Hanukkah to yeah. anyone that's uh, that's Jewish. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Yule. Um, no, 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 it's Happy. Qua- it's it's just happy, right, but it's happy it's Hanukkah right it's now. holiday season. But you know, when when everybody happy when, fucking when the, everybody. When the next episode comes out, it's gonna be Happy Hanukkah. And no, it's any, not. This one is. happy. Well, <laughs> well, actually, when this episode comes out, it's technically Happy Hanukkah and Happy Yule. Right. And fucking Kwanzaa. If anybody celebrates Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa, I have no idea. I don't know what it is. I thought Kwanzaa was after. I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I don't know. It's, not, I, it's an African. I don't know if it's like African Hanukkah or uh, like African Christmas. I have no like fucking that. clue. Do you guys have a Santa Claus? Explain to me. I have no idea. I'm not. I don't celebrate. No, I'm not asking you specifically. Oh, oh my God, dude. Kwanzaa Claus is now stuck in my head and I love it. <laughs> it's like some giant Jamaican dude flying around. In the... <laughs> yeah, <I'm> on. <laughs> I don't know why he's Jamaican. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Got your jerk chicken. <laughs> Got your jerk chicken, Armand. The fuck off out of here. <laughs> oh, God. I miss working with the Jamaicans. They were so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, no. my Christ. And my God, they're soup. Oh, those motherfuckers can cook. Anyway. Yes. So, with that said, after this lovely episode, you may not want people to hear it. Go over to, if you want a, pu- a set of headphones or because you want people to not hear this stuff. Or if you just like, or if you want by... people to shut up. <laughs> well, it's, you don't. It's not that you don't want people hearing it. You just like to listen by yourself, even though you're with people. Yeah, whatever. Fuck them. Anyway, so you you don't want people to hear it. You don't want people to, or people to hear it. Or you know whatever. Go to studio.com. Check them out. They have the earbuds, so people don't can't hear you. Can't hear what you're listening to, because it might be some weird shit. Or you can get your headphones they have the two varieties the regent and the clar and then the, the earbuds they have like 10 different varieties at they least got a, they got a shitload of earbuds yeah um and you can put whatever you want in your basket go to checkout and where it says uh little coupon Put the promo code of Darkwindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase because, um, you know, why the hell not? Get so- get yourself something for after Christmas because – Unfortunately, you, unfortunately, you have missed the cutoff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have missed the cutoff. 
you probably won't get it before Christmas now. Uh, by the time this comes out. So, also... Darkwindowspod.com. Bam. Nailed it. I'm back on my game, motherfucker. I'm not sick anymore. And it's not sickish. Also... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Go over to darkwindowspod.com. Dot you, com. Uh, you can look at the couple of pictures of our ugly fucking mugs that are on there. Yep. If you go up to uh, the top, there's links. And there's buttons. Where you can find every episode of this dog shit we've ever recorded Ooh. on our Age of Radio page. And while you're there, you could actually find some good shows, like Mysterious Circumstances and Color Me Dead. Both good shows. Yeah. One, mostly history. The other, completely true crime. Mm-hmm. Both good. One hosted by one man. One hosted by two women. Yes. Two Guess which men. one's which. Huh? Ooh, that's a hard you one. You shouldn't have to, because you should be fucking listening to them. Yeah. And, then if, you, and if you don't want to listen to those two... There's all kinds of shit. You can listen to other stuff. We got Joey Galvez, who does comic book shows, which are <laughs> fucking incredible. You, and you can listen to... Go over and listen to my brother on Diamonds and Roses podcast. There is shit for everybody. Because he does a podcast on Oregon baseball, or kind of like the Northwest. Remember we joked about a D&D podcast? We got one now. Oh, damn. For sure. Anyway... You can also find links to all of our social media stuff for the show. Uh, we have a links to our Facebook. We have links to our Instagram. Instas. We have links to our Twitter, which I don't use because I don't like Twitter because it, it's just not my thing. We're a bad Twitter. Um, and there's also a link to our email, uh-huh. darkwindowspod at gmail.com. If you have any com. stories or other shit you want to share with us. Or just to yell send at us. Send it over. You can yell at us too. Oh, yeah. Go rate, review, and subscribe because I'm gonna. if you give us a bad one, I'm going to read it. And you know, and I'm I know make what, you feel like shit. You know what's gonna happen? One of these times, one of these fuckers is gonna review us and put a one and just go and just be like, because I felt like being an asshole. <laughs> See, my favorite one is uh, uh, from a show called "Is We Dumb" that I listen to, um, and w- this guy left him like this huge glowing review, and at the end it just writes "Wouldn't change a thing," and he gave him three out of five stars. So that's become their thing: three out of five stars wouldn't change a thing. It's fucking hilarious. Um, also a better show than us, but that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. They are, man. You got a professional stand-up comedian who's goddamn hilarious. Okay, fine. And they've got a better, they've got better production than us because they got a producer and shit. Well, we don't have a producer. We don't. But Not yet. Well, we do kind of. You're the producer, I guess. We're we're gonna have a producer at some point. We gotta get them on the fucking payroll. Anyway, <laughs> you know. With that being said, happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Happy holiday. Good, happy, happy Hanukkah. Goodbye. <laughs>